If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, my name is Chris Tilton. I'm the composer of Fringe, and you're listening to Observing the Pattern. We made this. The idea of ending their existence consumes me. Hello and welcome back to Observing the Pattern, a fringe podcast on the We Made This podcast network. I'm your host, as always, Luke Winch, and we are continuing our in-depth coverage of season three of Fringe. We are in the thick of the uh, trilogy finale of season three. We're going to be discussing episode 21 today, The Last Sam Weiss. And joining me for this one is none other than Kurt North. How are you? I am all right. I don't want to say I'm tired because last time I was on, I was tired. And if I say it again, I'll become renowned for being the one that's tired. So I'm all right. <laughs> good, good, good. Good to hear. Good to hear. I'm all right as well. Good. So we, yeah, we we are we are we're in the the thick of it. Really, we've we we're in the middle episode of this triptych, this trilogy finale. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you feel that this middle part is? Do you think it suffers from being the middle child at all? Or do you think it really, you know, it, it, it carries the story on in a good pace, propels the story forward well enough? Um, right. So I, I took the liberty of watching the first episode and a little bit of the final finale. Um, I, I, I have watched them recently, so... Um, I will put that proviso that I have actually watched them of late, but I thought I'd, I'd, I started watching the first one and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to watch them all of them before we come on screen. And um, I found the first episode really enthralling and mm. the the third one is kind of so out there that it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my thing. So I would say this is probably my least favourite of the three. Uh, that being said, compared to season two's finale... I think the the finale as a whole, the three part is is um, is, is is a great piece of of television. Um, I would say this is really high up there in, in in episodes. I think it's a really good mythos kind of episode and has a lot of allusions to previous episodes and previous themes. Um, overall, I think it's a great character piece again, as Fringe always seems to be. Um, but. I'm just not fond of the title and the elements of Samwise in this. It's too oh, computer gaming. It, it's just yeah. that, that that's my that's my big issue. And we'll get into it, but I do have I understand why they did that and it makes more sense once you've watched the third episode, but you need to go and find the key, the crowbar, this, that, and the other. You have to level up 
um, you know, and let's face the next big boss kind of thing. And it's, yeah, it's, it, that, that really kind of struggles for me. But as I say, the, the other elements around it actually, actually bring the episode up and, I would have, I would have liked this episode not to be called the last Simwise, to be honest with you, because I don't feel it does the character any any good, and I don't feel that that element of the sh- of this episode really worked. But having said that, as I say, I think everything else around it is brilliant. Yeah, I think me and you are going to agree on cer- uh, on certain things surrounding Samwise. Mm. I, I myself am. Very unhappy with the way the character was dealt with in in this episode. Right. Um, I think I think his, you know, th- th- this is the last time we ever see Sam Weiss in Fringe. This is the last episode is in, and I think his exit is unceremonious, and he deserved better. I think mm. his character deserved a better ending and a better exit. I agree with the computer game quest storyline. Yeah. With the with the box and the key and the crowbar, it is it is very it is very basic. It's a little bit like National Treasure, the Nick Cage film. Yeah, that's that's what it reminded me of. I mean, even going to museums for God's sake. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that element of it is probably what knocks what I would probably consider the rest of it. I would consider probably an eight eight and a half out of ten gets knocked down to about six point five seven for me because of the failure of the of the elements of Samwise. Well, that's interesting. I, I think because of the way that my mind naturally works, I think that um, I can compartmentalise it more. So I would still put it up there in the late sevens, early eights. Mm. But I would, as I say, I would say that, you know, that's forgiving of the of the parts rather than actually knocking it down. I would I would forgive those parts for the other bits. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit more... Um, easy going on on that aspect of it even though i don't actually like that part of it yeah so this episode i mean it's quite it's quite packed with different plot lines going across you've got you know you've got different groups of people so you have um olivia and sam and and what they do you have walter and astrid doing their little investigation and then you have peter's little solo plot line and then they kind of all converge at the end so i think what we'll do is we'll 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 you know Instead of going scene by scene, I think we'll go with those groups and then we'll end up with everyone together at the end. I think that's probably yeah. the, the best way of talking about it. So without further ado, let's go deeper into the last Samwise. Um, so we'll we'll start with uh, with Walter and Astrid because that's that's how the episode starts with Walter in Peter's room. He's, he's obviously been knocked unconscious from being uh, zapped across the hangar by the machine. It's closed off and not letting him in. And... It's quite a lovely scene, actually, with Walter and Astrid. And it, it, you know, it's again, we are reminded of how far the Walter and Astrid relationship has come. And she's really learned how to to kind of interact, interact with him in the right way and use the right tone of voice and, you know, kind of try and bribe him with with his favourite pudding. But um, it's a real testament, I think, to her skills and, and her as a person, really, the way she you know, the way she communicates with Walter. Yeah, I mean, ironically, one a couple of words I put on my notes for this. It was <clears throat> wait and see. So just talking about our, just before we came into uh, into the deep dive, we I said that I can compartmentalise a bit. And I think that's what Astrid is doing, Astrid is able to do. She, she's saying, let's just wait and see. Let's not, let's not jump to conclusions. Let's not do, you know, let's not go down that route until we have to. 
and that, and I've done that in life. You know, that, that's the way my life works in anything from personal to work. It's it's very compartmentalised and sometimes to a fault. Um, and Walter naturally is lives off emotion. So the fact that I think that you've got this stoic kind of character in in Astrid and uh, and the the kind of the kind of the different viewpoints of both of them really works. And you know we've seen this over the seasons. You know it's not something new, but we've seen this over the seasons, and it's it's a really touching moment because it's again it's one of those moments where you know Walter doesn't know what's going to happen right now. He's he's he is in a bit of a mess, and. Uh, and the fact that you know that Astrid can can see that and can I kind of like coach him out of that by, as you say, you know, offering desserts was uh, was great. And my other note was hungry, so, so uh, that's all I put. Astrid hungry. Um, so yeah, so I think I think it works really really well. I think that element of of Astrid and um, and Walter works, and even like some of the more expositiony stuff with the the kite and things like that. I think that it all. It all kind of comes across really well, and I think. But this opening scene is a great opening gambit for the episode. Yeah, she seems to be able to kind of bring him back from his emotional roller coaster, or he's spiraling down. He's obviously petrified of losing Peter, and yeah, and she manages to kind of bring him back. I mean, there's that scene later on in the hospital when, when all the victims of the of the um, electrostatic fluctuations and dry lightning storms are, are coming in, and she quotes. She quotes Benjamin Franklin. I'm not, I'm not sure she realises she is, but Walter recognises that. Yeah. And that quote, that God only helps those who help themselves, just it just kind of, it sparks something in him and he goes, right, yes, let's investigate, let's do it. Mm. And he gets that new focus again. So yeah. she really manages to do that in, in quite a few scenes throughout yeah. this third season and, and, and the rest of the show. Yeah, well, with that, what I particularly like about this is the, let's say, the characterization of, of the show is that, it made me instantly fall back to um, made me instantly fall back to White Tulip and the God Science yeah. question. You know, so yeah. the fact that you you've got that you've got Walter kind of doing his all, you know, like kind of I want to believe in God kind of thing, and and uh, Peter Weller's character, which name um, forsakes me right now, but he yeah. um, he was saying, "Well, God is science," you know, so very kind of typical sci-fi um, themes to to go work with. I know many shows have done that. Um, but the fact that he he goes to the church later on and he's asking and, and even the fallbacks to the Firefly as well. So there's a lot of like um, things which, you know, White Tulip's a bit of a, not a stretch, but it's kind of like it works in a, in a way. And I actually think whether or not this was meant or not, or me stretching, is that the next episode is kind of like a white tulip. It, it kind of like replays something just to get to the end mm. of it. So, so I think there's, there's a, there's thematic beats there that work really well. And, um, and yeah, and I think that the, the character and, and the deepness of, of Walter and, and his aspect of God and using that terminology, because Astrid, I don't think knows that. So the fact no. that, that in Walter's character, he picks up on that and he's like, God, well, you've got to help yourself before God can help you. And he's like, right, I need that agency now. I need that, you know, I need to get on and make that drive and and do something. Um, and I think that's it. It's a lovely bit of storytelling. Yeah, it really plays well off the back of his his trip to the hospital chapel in the previous episode where, you know, he's he's basically begging God to, to punish him and, and save the world and save Peter. And I really like the way Fringe tackles with the element of faith and God. 
And it's something that's very that I was always very surprised about with Walter mm. that that he that he had an element of faith because he's such a he's such a, a a man who is embedded in science. It's it's a really interesting kind of juxtaposition yeah. that the writers play with with him. And it's I mean, and it's 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 something I think that he must have he must have kind of been introduced to in his time possibly in, in in the mental asylum because you get a flashback episode i think it's peter or it's subject 13 one of the two where he's having an argument with the lab assistant who actually ends up dead because he i think she ends up ends up dead in a in a fire and in that scene he's getting angry about something and he he even calls himself god you know i right. am god in this laboratory so it's an interesting that he's gone from that to where he is now where he's in a chapel praying for help and I've, I've always found that a really fascinating time and it, and you're right it's a very private thing for walter he doesn't do it or mention it in front of anybody else even no. peter no and obviously he doesn't even realize he's done it in, in the first place so, yeah, yeah. So he's just got this you know this message from from his uh his god who was somebody of science, which is which I love. Mm. I love that in White Tulip. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as I say, I mean, I'm not. I know I'm not talking about next week, but next week, you know, in itself is talk is that way that you know they're they're making choices and that they're becoming god to save universes and stuff. So it's uh, it's always this interplay and uh, it's something I, I really enjoy about the show, and I think that this three parter does really well. I mean, I've just been covering on the X cast with. Uh, with the X-Cast crew, the three episodes of Six Extinction, which is all about God and aliens and mm. and science and stuff like that. And I can see some, I'm this, again, me stretching a little bit, but the third episode of that is very different to the, the other two that preceded it. And, yeah. you know, the Fringe does that for the next week as well. So, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, the, I do like this interplay, this this conversation, you know, that you can have and you can view it from all different kinds of points of view because it's not like alluding, even when he asks, asks that, he's not alluding to the fact that anything's happened because of it. It's more about you've got to get out there and do it. And I and I think that it walks that ambiguous line really well. Mm, definitely. So I just want to touch quickly upon the the opening scene after after the hospital scene where we get the doors, Riders of the Storm playing in the car and we get that family who witnesses the uh, lightning strikes and <laughs> something that kind of made me laugh was 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 these lightning strikes are going, these random strikes are going off no one knows we're going to hit so the so the father of the family stops the car gets out goes to higher ground yeah. to have a look what's going on I was like I would stay in the car I would not go anywhere near higher ground at this point so yeah. I, you know that kind of and not and not only that walking across quite a watery boggy Piece yeah. of grass as well. Strangely yeah. enough, um, we're, we're due some thunderstorms here or were the other day, and it didn't quite happen. But there was like um, I don't know why the local newspaper did this, but they they sent they actually put an article on on if you get stuck outside during a lightning storm and what to do. So for those people who, who may be stuck in in a fringe world, apparently that you've got to like squat is the best thing to do. So yeah. with two feet, you know, squat down and just try and make yourself as small as possible while maintaining mm. as little contact to the floor. So that's my uh, my piece of advice for the day. <laughs> there you go. Anyone who's caught in a thunderstorm, squat now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I do like that we get this investigation with Walter and Walter and Astrid and they're using the kite as a as a 
small experiments and lightning strikes twice, which Walter then says later on is a myth. So it does actually happen if the conditions are right, apparently. Okay. The conditions are right. But um, but why, what I started to think about in these scenes is that you could imagine what the over-there fringe team had to deal with in the beginning of their fringe events. Yeah. And you, you, I started to kind of almost sympathise with what they've had to deal, deal with for a much, much longer time. Um, and in, you know, increasing intensity, the fringe event. So, yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, the over there fringe team have, have, have had to deal with all the deaths, all the people suspended in amber. And if, if Peter doesn't work the machine, then this world could go, you know, could be going down an accelerated version of what the over there was. So I was just thinking about, yeah. you know, Folivia and Lincoln Lee and all the thing, all, all the events that they've had to go through and, and why they are the people they are now. They're hardened. They're, they are, you know, they, they are almost militarised in, in how they have to deal with things. Yeah, it's not something I've really thought about. I mean, obviously it's come up in, in the season, you know, when we've gone over there and we've actually seen some of the, you know, the things that the amber stuff, like like we've seen earlier in the season and stuff. But yeah, it's not something I really thought about actually, but, mm. um, but absolutely right. Yeah, it does... Um, it makes a big difference, actually, that just to think about, you know, where we are compared to where they are. And again, that will kind of touch upon, you know, um, in, in in a lot of ways in, in the next episode. It's kind of like, you know, the the whole concept of the of the show. It, it obviously is like where the over there is pretty much where we could be, and especially mm-hmm. given that today is our it, at time of recording is when the United Nations sent out the the climate change stuff. Yep. Um, so, so which I haven't, um, I've been at work, so I haven't like sort of read into it too much at the moment. But, uh, but yeah, some of the warnings, it's like an early warning sign for, for where we are. And it's a good reflection on that. And I think it's a good way of storytelling that as well, that, you know, there is things that can happen and, you know, we need to look out for ourselves. And I know Fringe has had that kind of uh, discussion and theme in, in the show before. So, yeah, I think that, that, it's an interesting way to, to look at that. And I didn't think of it that way. What I will say, I know, I know I'm going to bash on about the X-Files, but this was kind of a, a couple of times in like the, the lightning scenes and uh, a couple of other moments, it felt obviously a better version of this, but it felt a little bit like My Struggle 2. And I know My Struggle 2 came after, you know, yeah. after this episode, but there was certain elements like you were saying about the hospital and people coming in, being brought in and things like that. And yeah, I was like, yeah. You know, and the end of the world is coming, and that's kind of what what X Files does in a much more comic booky way. Um, mm. And Fringe is, is is virgin on that actually. Some of the pacing is not is not as fast as that as the episode My Struggle Two, but it's actually it has some interesting comparisons with that. Um, but that's not as I say. That's not to say you know that that this is uh, My Struggle Two bad. I actually really like My Struggle Two purely because it's that pulpy and that that ridiculous yeah. and that fast and, and I actually really enjoy it but I know it's not a great episode of television this is a good episode of television so but yeah sorry to, to interject there but it did feel like though you know this this coming of the world and I, I think that it was done in a way the with the lightning storms and, and the, the freak nature stuff that you know we get broils a couple of times on the phone you know this has happened now and that's happened now it doesn't have that sense of urgency just yet but it is just starting and I like the mm. fact that it's just starting to roll. The ball is starting to roll down the hill a little bit. So, um, 
so yeah, so it makes a big it makes a big difference. Um, that that it, you know, it's at the very cusp of the beginning of 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 the end, and I think for a TV show that works quite well because you don't want to be showing the end of the world because it's very hard to do it unless you go very very personal. If you look at it from from a, 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 maybe a character and and just concentrate on them rather than the actual world events. So yeah, so I think I think that that's definitely. Um, that's definitely an interesting interesting way of going about it and this rolling down the hill thing kind of works for me yeah definitely i think my favorite shot of the episode is when peter throws open the doors of the hospital balcony i think and you just get that lovely vista of the houses with the lightning coming down it's a mm. really well put together shot i think and it 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 really gives you a sense of impending doom and yeah. that yeah we're not quite in the urgency but we are building up to that yeah, it's a really effective shot there. Yeah, there's even like a is a radio call when some when it's just like an overhead yeah. shot, like a god um, com, a god complex video shot of like an mm. overhead of the highway and someone saying, "Oh, there's been these weather events and and stuff like that." So it's 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 that foreboding kind of atmosphere that they're slowly building. And as I say, it's not like you know people are panicking just yet. It's not war of the worlds just yet. It's kind of just what are these freak occurrences? What's happening here? You know so. Um, yeah, and again, you know, it's it's a bit true to real life at the moment. You know, we've got many fires going around in the world at the moment. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it it certainly worked for me, and it it, it had that had that foreboding um, aspect to it. But as I say, just just the underlying version of it, and I thought that work, works really well. Yeah, definitely. Just on the side note, I I did read a brief uh, of the. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Um, ISPCC report, it, it makes for some... It was some pretty depressing reading, to be perfectly honest. Woohoo! But, I look um, forward to reading that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but me and Brooke, I think me and Brooke, in the very first episode of season three, we, we talked a lot about how 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 the disintegration of over there is is a real good parallel for climate change, and especially the the human accelerated version of of climate yeah. change. And yeah, it's it's. I like that theme, even if the writers didn't really intend it. It's 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 something that you can really apply to it in a in a good way, actually. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And then there were there were, you know, telltale signs at that point. People were pretty much in denial 
Yeah, back yeah. in whatever it's, what year was this? Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Yeah. 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 So. A lot of people were potentially in denial at that point. A lot of people saying we have five, ten years to turn it around and no one was really listening. So, I mean, I, I remember definitely some like, news stories around the 2008, 2009 time. So the fact that it's 2011, I, I think it probably is deliberate, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think there's definitely definitely a case for that. Yeah, I think the writers are intelligent enough to, to kind of put those those themes in there, definitely. Yeah. Um, so after after some scenes at the lab, um, I, I actually adore this scene where Walter goes into Brawl's office with his mini science demonstration of his the two magnets and the and the iron filings. Uh, I remember always enjoying playing with these at, at school in science class. But it's a great it's a great simple visualization for the viewers to consolidate everything that's happened because we've had some pretty rip roaring scenes, very quick paced scenes. So it's a nice moment for you know for the viewers to watch Walter go, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what we have to do. We have to get the machines in the same place uh, so we can minimise the damage and and buy some time so Olivia can play that computer game and get the key in the box and uh, and level up and stuff. Um, but I love Bla- I love Brawls' reaction going, so you want me to move a 200,000 tonne machine across the city um, with helicopters and a whole lot of manpower and just yeah. Walter just going yeah yeah please <laughs> no. yeah. Uh, but it's an interesting concept because you think about it um, if you think about it that uh, you've got what you've basically got there is Walter saying we need to bring them together it'll cause more of a problem centrally but it won't cause these desperate events that are happening around mm. Randomly, and that's a difficult question to ask because it is in the middle of a highly, highly populated area. That is a really yeah. difficult decision to make. And um, again, you know, it's it's not played too much, but it's played enough that it's like they've got to do this. But at the same time, it is a big risk. It's a big risk. Mm. It can, you know, something could drastically go wrong. Um, you know, luckily it doesn't, but uh, it could go drastically wrong. And you, you mentioned Olivia there. I know we'll, we'll talk about that shortly, but. This is a perfect way. What I felt, I felt at home. I felt like this was kind of like fringe. I felt that this was, Mm. um, it was, you know, explaining some mad science using some good visuals. You know, it's, it's, it's basically going, this is what's happening. You know, it's like the double slit experiment in quantum, you know, physics. You know, it's it's kind of like, it's something that you can try to get your head around. I know the quantum, I know the double slit experiment is something very different and it is quite difficult to understand, but you know, it, it, it kind of gives you an idea. But um, the thing with the Olivia and the Sam Y stuff is it's all come out of nowhere. Well, it hasn't come out of nowhere because obviously we have had the transcripts and we have had the, you know, the, the books and stuff, but we didn't have the manuscript. Well, yeah. wonderful. Um, but it's all tell. It's all literally, oh, by the way, we're going to be doing this now. It's like, well, where did that come from? You know, there wasn't any major hint of it in the past. There's all mm-hmm. these books, there's all the things, oh, this has happened, that's happened, this has happened. Um, it's very convoluted and it all comes together. Now, my argument again, I know we'll get into more detail about this, but my argument against uh, my own argument is that it's Walter, obviously, that's like, like involved in it. So the fact that, you could get away with it because it's not like an ancient race. It's something else. But at yeah. the same time, it's too, it's too late in the game for me to actually start going down this route. If there was more 
mythos built in through the season, I could understand it more. If there's more of Samwise in the season, I could have understood it more. But you know, and we'll talk about the game aspect later. But yeah, that that was my main that was my main thing. It's just, um, but yeah, the the all of the Walter stuff, all of the stuff that's um, you know describing the way that the the magnets work and stuff like that works a hell of a lot better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we might as well move into the Olivia Sam thing because I think after that scene, they're all going to start coming together. So we'll go back to Olivia and Sam and what you were just saying then about it's all tell. One of the things that I find very irritating in this episode is that Sam Wise, who has been this wonderfully enigmatic, mysterious character, literally becomes an exposition machine. That is all he is in this episode. Yeah. It kind of irritates me a lot. Um and you're right, you know, we've had the first people books, we've had that all season, but we really haven't learnt that much. Nina figured out that every book's just an anagram of Sam Weiss, which again, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. It's all, it's all a bit kids games type yeah. puzzles, isn't it? It's it's all anagrams and 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 manuscripts with someone's face on which is telling you something else it's all it's yeah it's it's all a little bit um weak it's 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 a very weak element to the mythos of the story and i'm glad that it only is is only encapsulated in season three and season four and five go in a in a different direction it's mentioned how the first people came to be because it you know spoilers it happens to be uh walter and i think ella and astrid sending the machine parts back through a vortex that, that opens up. So first people, it, it isn't all prophecy. It's that these things are sent back in time. Yeah. Um, and, and the Samwise lineage, the, the, all these Samwise is basically kept the secret, kept the manuscripts and turned them into books. So yeah, it's all, it works well enough if you don't stop and think about it too long. <laughs> once, once, once you start thinking about it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous yeah. and doesn't really hold together that well. Well, I, rem- I remember at the time, because uh, Fringe, I, I think I've said this before, I think I, I was a real big um, defender of Fringe when it was out. And obviously there was they went through a lot of um, issues with viewing figures and all kinds, you know, and I stayed right through the entire show. But I only, but to be fair, I only watched it the once. So I think some episodes I remember more than others. So I'm struggling with a little bit with uh, season four and five. But actually, but what rewatching the end of season three, some things are coming back. I was like, so I will when I start watching season four, it'll instantly come back. Oh, right, okay, I know where I'm at now. Um. But there's certain things in this that that came back. I remember people saying, "Who was Samwise? Was he kind of like a uh, Richard Alpert in Lost? Because obviously Lost was a big, um, you know, show and has uh, connective tissue with Fringe, you know, because mm. it, it does. Um, you know, is he like ageless? Is he this? Is he that? You know, could he be this? Could he be that? And I'm not uh, necessarily against a reveal where it's just like an ordinary man. Yeah, but. Again, it's just, it was just like, oh, there's five generations of us, and that's it. And my great great granddad did this, and that was it. And I was like, well, all right, okay, but that's great. And that's sometimes a bit of a an issue with mystery box storytelling. To be fair, that I absolutely love the the, the theories and doing all of the abstract and the ambigu- ambiguous stuff. Um, and I'm normally if a reveal. Um, comes across all right. I, I I defend it, and uh, 
you know, and a lot of people will, when they get to the thing, to get to the, the end results. And I know that we've talked on podcast 616 about, you know, different theories with uh, the Marvel shows at the moment. And some of them come to fruition, some of some of them don't, you know, but then you get like the One Division stuff where you've got like McFisto in the background for so many times. And, and I'm not... Mm. A, a fan of you know of the comics, so I didn't really know. But obviously, learning through, learning that through, um, you know, through people who actually do read the comics, and it wasn't that, and people are disappointed. So you're you're always going to go down a mystery box storytelling of people are going to be disappointed with the the actual reveal of what it is. Yeah. Um, and I normally, I'd say three quarters of the time, I'd be like, all right, no, it's fine, that's all right. I kind of half expected it. You know, it's it's not great, but. It does the job. And if he'd been an ordinary man and was better written, I would have been all right with it. But mm. it just seems like it's just like thrown in there. It's like, it's almost like, oh, we, we he's, he's become available. Let's write him in. You know, let the, um, let's like do the, the book. Uh, um, let's throw him in for an episode. And as you say, let's just, um, let's just wrap everything up so we can get to the end of the season. And I think that's um, also the kind of thing that happens in TV a lot nowadays. It's with the, Ten, you know, it's almost like the the birth of that in some ways that you've got like the ten episode seasons that we have now, or the thirteen episodes that you get to the the penultimate episode and it's an exposition machine and that's what this feels like. This feels like a proto type of that. It feels like this is the this is kind of not the birth of it because it would have happened before, but it does feel a little bit like that. Like it's just you know we need to get we need to wrap up all the elements so we can get to the mm. final finale episode and it does somewise a disservice because of that. Yeah, in that way, it reminds me a lot of Redux, because Redux is literally an exposition episode. A lot of it is literally exposition. So this this reminds me of that, although it has the fantastic uh, monologue by Krishkow, um, which is amazing. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of reminds me of that middle episode, which is a little bit, it's it's a little bit, way down with having to set up the finale and a lot of people telling the audience what's going on and and yeah it can be a little bit um it can be a little bit irritating at times i think yeah absolutely yeah so yeah this storyline it, it it does whiff a little of jj Abrams, doesn't it i mean m- most of the time he's great at puzzle book stuff um you know the the alias storyline with the Ramboldi artifacts I thought was great. I thought it worked really well. Um, a, a lot of the stuff with Lost worked really well. It just, it just, I don't know. This, bit, it seems shoehorned in here that that we, we we have to get somewhere very quick. We basically have to get from Olivia um, not believing that she's got these abilities and that she can't help Peter get into the machine to Olivia believing that she's got these abilities yeah. to help Peter get to the machine. So we've got to get from A to B very quickly. But what I, and, but what I don't get about that is that they've they've put in the books, the first paper books, throughout the season. So I don't get why they've waited that long to do it. I know. That's that's the, that's the difficulty because there's, there's this mystery box of what are the books, who are the books. Oh, there's more than one, there's more than two. Oh, look, they're anagrams of Sam Weiss. Oh, my God, that's amazing. And then it's like... There's the explanation. It's like, but, you know, even if there was a... I, I'm watching Leftovers at the moment. I've not watched it. I don't know if you've seen Leftovers. Uh, right, okay. So the end, the end of season one finishes. You start season two. And season two has a completely different scene from absolutely random as hell. Just completely out there from centuries ago. 
and it does the same. I've just got to season three, and it does the same there. There's, a, there's something happens, and it's like, whoa, where are we going now? Why? What? What does this have any connection to? All I can see at the moment is it's thematic. It's a thematic, um, you know. Look, it's not really connected as such. It might well turn up to be, but it feels like it's more about the emotion of the of the moment. Uh, and obviously, you know, um, leftovers has some connective tissue as well. But even if there was something like a, a random episode, or you know, like Fringe can do, where it had like a throwback to, you know, like a Samwise from before, but we didn't know who that was. Yeah, you know, you don't. You don't know who that was. And then, you know, in this episode, there was a reveal that that was a Samwise. That would have been great, you know, and, you know, it would have been, oh, oh my God, that's that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not a writer. I can't say, <laughs> you know, I'm just spitballing. But it would have been nice to have something that you could fall back on because the books aren't strong enough. The books are not strong enough to, like, no, hold your gaze not. on it. So um, it, it needed something else. And it didn't have to be an episode. It just had to be a moment or it had to be some connective tissue. And I know the machine parts are all part of it and stuff like that, but that's not strong enough for Sam Wise's story. And that's my, that's mm. my major gripe with it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, all the machine parts and stuff, I think has been great because they've really fed that into, into the structure of the, of the season. And we've been talking about it or seeing parts or seeing the machine put together for many, many episodes. So that feels organic. It feels as though we're, we're reaching a, mm. a, a crescendo there but you're right this is just a kind of plonked in at the end it doesn't it doesn't feel natural it, it just feels a bit hemmed yeah. in and i know that um i was discussing with somebody that i know um recently about lost um, we, we i did a rewatch of lost recently and she had that complaint she said that in lost something would just magically happen you know there'll be like sort of it's almost like they've got a new idea let's go this way you know, and, and, you know, I love Lost and I could see her argument. I could definitely see her argument mm. that sometimes they get to a point where, right, we're going to explain this to a degree, but then we're just going to go off and then magically we have this temple, you know, for some reason, you know, and it's kind of like it just goes off in tangents because it's almost like it's a new idea. Um, and I feel that this is a bit like that, you know, but for me, I don't, I don't quite understand it because they've got so much, like, build up, as you say, to the machine part and including the books. And I don't know why... The machine part was obviously the crescendo, but the book should have been, it should have been like a God versus science thing. It should have been the machine and the faith or, you know, or something like that. And it just didn't go down that route. Yeah, cool. Um, so there are a couple of scenes with Olivia and Sam that I just want to highlight because um, I quite enjoy them. One is Sam is worried because the timeline is off. He says this shouldn't be happening now. And there's some kind of, I think he calls him, a cosmic hiccup or something like that. And I find it interesting because it's it's almost as though they like they never anticipated the other side switching the machine on, that's what he says. And to me that means that Faux Livia infiltrating the team and falling for Peter and then having a baby that is Peter's is an anomaly that wasn't meant to happen. That's the hiccup. Yeah. And I found that really interesting. But you know, is it something that was not expected or not foreseen? It's a, it, it leaves a lot of questions, but I, I but I like the fact that it does leave a lot of questions. It's a really interesting moment in in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I've I've thought that the I always wondered about the baby. For um, you know, and after rewatching this twice, it kind of dawned on me a little bit on this last watch that um, 
especially watching the next episode, and obviously I'm I'm not here for the next episode, but um, the next episode kind of like has, has crystallized things for me a little bit with this one because the baby is used as a machine itself to get the machine started, but it's not used to make the choice. And Peter is the one that needs to make the choice. He's mm. the he's the one that's controlling the machine. So you can't just switch it on and let it run wild because it doesn't have a brain. You know, it's it's not it's not literally working. It's just like it's just in a powered state. It doesn't know what to do. Whereas, yeah. like, you need Peter to be in there. So the fact that it's come on, it's like it wasn't expected, but at the same time, it's like it's it's having an effect because it's obviously it's, in their words, it's protecting itself. It's kind of like well, I'm already activated, but I don't understand why because it doesn't have the capacity to understand that. You know, it's it's Peter is is its central brain really. That that's exactly what it is. Because you know, we talked on about on the earlier season episode where it came up with the you know that he's got to make a choice between which yeah. side he's going to choose, and that is absolutely unequivocal for the episode. You know, he's got mm. to make that choice. So the fact that it was switched on by something that's not going to make a choice because it's not capable of doing that. Is uh, is the is the hiccup in my eyes? It's kind of like, you know, it needs that it needs that choice, and if, if it's not going to get one, it's kind of just stuck in some sort of purgatory, you know, some sort of machine purgatory yeah. where it's not going to get there. And that's obviously happened before because of the whole crowbar thing, which you know, um, you know, must have been in the first go around that there must have been that that might have been aware of it, and then they had to create this this time loop and this. Um, this aspect of uh, of actually going back in time and doing it, so yeah, I think um, I think from this watch that was really interesting for me just to to have that sudden dawning of like, you know, there is a reason, maybe a reason for that, and uh, and you know the the fact that you know emotions again, emotions and uh, and choice and you know decisions have to be made. It's, it's not just a case of turning it on and it will destroy the world. It's not that type of machine. It's just struck me because there is a conversation between Samwise and Nina in an earlier episode. And Samwise actually says that Peter needs to fall in love with the right Olivia. So he knows that that is a choice that he has to make. In all, and, and whatever Olivia he goes with yeah. will then affect what he does with the machine. Yeah, it was, so all, he, it was the know, episode that we covered together. Yeah. Because I remember yeah. it. Cause... But in, in that case... Folivia infiltrating the team isn't the anomaly then because because Samwise knew that this was going to happen because he knew that the choice would have to be made. So I think it, it it's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. 
You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I think you touched upon it there. It must be the baby that is the anomaly. That's mm. because, because there was no way that the other side should have been able to turn that machine on without peter but they just use the dna of the baby which has which has peter's dna but like you said it has no it has no focus or function yeah so it's just basically just obliterating oh well bit by bit it's yeah it's a really interesting really interesting scene there Mm. yeah absolutely and then the one of the other scenes that i'd like to highlight uh mainly because we have a lovely little cameo from a friend of the x cast i believe uh the lovely Karen. karen conneville yeah yeah, I've had the pleasure of speaking to Karen for hours on end at Xcast. She she turned she turned up in Chicago. It was a uh, an event that we that the Xcast went to for the X Files um, X Fest two. It was called. It was in Chicago, and um, Carl Sweeney, who's uh, who's on the Xcast, interviewed her online. Um, I think that he got a book from her or something like that as well. And uh, she turned up, and I introduced myself and. Uh, before you know it, there was like five or six of us that were all just chatting away, and she she literally held a conversation with us for for two hours because she wasn't actually there that day. She just arrived, so the fact that she just arrived and she wanted to chill out and you know sat down with myself and Carl and and the rest of, and some of the team was uh, was really nice, and uh, she was really interested in you know talking about you. You know, she was more like, "What's the, what do you mm. do? What do, how did you know how, how have you got here?" Um, and she even we had a, a press screen, a, a screening of one of her episodes um, for the revival series. And uh, Carl and I were catching a plane back to England, and uh, we'd spoke to her a couple of times about it, saying we might not get there for the question and answer session. So she actually arranged for the question and answer session to be on before the episode, and then wow. said goodbye to us. Said I know that the England people have got to go now, so. Thanks very much, and off we went. So, yeah, so Karen Conneval, the museum um, curator in this episode, was uh, great. And she also plays, obviously, Maurice in um, in Planet of the Apes. Uh, yes. And what I will say, I'll, I'll do, give her a bit of a plug here, she does um, some wonderful charity work for orangutans. So check her out on Twitter um, with Karen Conneval. Hopefully it'll be in the show notes. But, um, yeah, she's an absolutely wonderful woman, and uh, she's in a lot of stuff, and she's a very, very good actress. You know, she's just, mm, definitely. She's in the Andy Circus mold as well, so it's it's always great. But uh, she can she can put her hand to absolutely anything. She's amazing. Um, doesn't do too much in this episode, to be fair. It's very straight laced, but uh, I would definitely say if you haven't seen, I think she's in Snowpiercer at the moment as well. Um, yeah, she is. So yeah, so she's definitely worth checking out with some of her work. She's amazing. Definitely, and uh, I would definitely jump over to the Xcast to listen to the interview as well. So it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, but we do get a we do get one of the moments, one of the only moments in the episode where Sam Weiss is Sam Weiss, <laughs> yeah. where he holds up his card and go, paying patrons since nineteen eighty two, but it was just a moment for Sam to be Sam and yeah. you know and not be this exposition machine. So I really appreciated that moment. It was quite funny. As I well. do, and it is and there's a file that comes up, a gift file that comes up a lot on Twitter if you do yeah. have a search fringe. So 
you know, it is a great moment. And Samwise is a beloved character, so I'm not taking anything away from him uh, as a character. But as you say, he has a bit of a disservice in this episode. But yeah, that was a lovely, a lovely uh, moment in the 1982 thing. I I did chuckle at that. Yeah, definitely. And then we get this... um indiana jones type national treasure type thing in the museum where they're having to to dodge the static lighting why does sam is it the lights you know it's not the lights because you know that there's lightning inside the building that was a bit of a yeah lazy bit of writing there as well i mean uh, uh, um, tony has become aware of this uh, and the, the network showrunner that I cannot. I, I I am one of the probably the point five percent that can't watch Indiana Jones. I don't like it at <laughs> all. I, I just can't get with it. I've tried. I've tried to watch ten fifteen minutes of episode of films, and I just can't get with it. Same with National Treasure. It's not my type of show, you know. And yeah. and to be honest, Fringe is my type of thing. White Tulip is my type of thing. Uh, you know, things like White Tulip is a fantastic episode. You know, um, the animated one is fantastic. I love in, I love concepts. You know, I love concept mm. TV and movies. And to have this in this episode in in a, in one, in a fantastic TV show like Fringe, it grated on me because he's like doing the bowling ball thing. I was like, no, it's too campy. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> so it was just horrible. Um, you know, but it did remind me of Star Trek Generations and uh, Jordi LaForge like rolling underneath the uh, the thing when the warp core's about to go. Uh, that's all. That's all. I was, that's all I was thinking. I was like Jordi LaForge. He does it twice. One which is horrendous in the TV show, and then they allow him to do a bit more stunt works. They must have said in the TV show, by the way, that because it must have been four foot high when he rolled under it. We're in generations. It's a, maybe about a foot and a half. Yeah. So they've gone, right, okay, yeah, we've got health and safety being on now. We, we're definitely not going to crush you. <laughs> but yeah, it just yeah. Felt, it felt horrible. The whole, I mean, I get it. I understand the concept of like, it's meant to be a, moment, a Samwise moment that, you know, he's going to do the ball and the ball kind of thing. He's, he's, he works in a bowling alley and then he gets it absolutely perfect. It's like, that wouldn't work. Having Olivia shoot a gun, like we said in, in a previous episode, that makes thematic and total sense. This yeah. this doesn't. This is like campy, and I didn't like it. It is campy. No, I, I mean, usually I'm I'm okay with campy moments, but I was not okay with this. Right. Um, but do you know what's really irritating is because the two writers of this episode, uh, they're two of the executive producers. They're Monica Arusso Breen and Alison Chapter, and they've written some of the best episodes in season three, like Marionette and Bloodline. Oh, okay. two, right. two really good, strong episodes. So it's, just, it's a shame that that the writing is not yeah. particularly as strong in the, the Sam and Olivia scenes anyway. I think the rest yeah. of the episode's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, Mar- Mar- Marion- Marionette is an outstanding episode. Although oh, I, yeah. I think I did mention that there's some thematic things through through the season where I'm not particularly fond of where they kind of reflects back on on the characters at the, at the time but mm. i think marionette is one that actually i think it, is that the one where she says she can't hold her feelings and it's like towards the end where she's like i can't remember exactly how marionette finishes but there's a there's moment where she's sitting down with peter isn't there in that in that episode i think I yeah there's the, there's a scene where she's she's back in her apartment and yeah, yeah she's I, going through her clothes and she just can't stand looking at her clothes and then yeah. she picks out peter's mit shirt from the laundry and that right. just breaks her. Yeah, that well, that marionette is the one with the eyes, wasn't it? When you realise it's not is that is yeah. that marionette? Yeah. So it's 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 like you know when you realise it's not somebody, and then she has the conversation with Peter later. Yeah. Now I get that that makes sense to me, and I think marionette does that really well. Yeah. Where it, 
gets it wrong is episodes around it which don't really do it as well as Marionette mm. and as I say if they're the same writers that are doing this episode I'm, I'm quite surprised by that yeah uh, I mean everyone's allowed to have an off date again it goes back you know it's a 20 odd episode season um, the, the worry though is that it's a finale it's not you know it's not an episode during the show's run it's uh, you know it's something that's like been building towards and I don't think they're quite here yeah, I I also imagine that they've probably been given some goals to reach yeah. in the episode. So you have to hit this beat, this beat, this character has to do this. So they've probably been given a roadmap and they just have to kind of write around it. Yeah. Yeah, so the only the, the only other thing I had to say about the Olivia something and most of them most of them are negative or moans, but there you go. <laughs> but it's the way it's the way the key just basically magnetizes of the box and opens it. It's just so pfft. Yeah. And you know, and then the manuscript inside is is, is a picture of a. It's like it's like, it's like a modern day you know number thing, isn't it? Because obviously, the, in the olden days, it used to be like you used to spin the dial around, like you would get on TV. Strangely enough, I actually enjoy playing games like that, but but not mm. but not but not watch TV of it. Um, you know, we'd spin the dial around, and there'd be hieroglyphics on it, and you'd match the hieroglyphics, and all of a sudden it'd open up. Um, yeah, it's meant to be like a modern day version of that, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. It's it's, it's really weak. Mm-hmm. So then we get Olivia and Sam. They go to Walter. So we get again. This is a missed opportunity. Walter and Sam in the same room, and not a lot happens between them. And it no. just it's, again, it's just disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 the one thing that I like about that scene, again, after watching the finale, is that. You can understand why Walter works it out. Where I think in this episode, taken out of its own, you know, with the loop of the the paper, you would think, "Oh, come on, he's worked that out. That's not right." But the fact that he's probably he's the one that put it in there in the first place, he mm. he will yeah. he will work that out. So so you know, not necessarily a, a thing on this episode itself, but out of context, this looks like ah, oh, right, it's a bit, you know. It's a bit weak, but then, you know, as I say, next week it makes more sense that way, um, mm. looking back on it. Um, but, yeah, exactly the same as you. It's it, it's a missed opportunity. Um, but generally the scene the scene's okay, and I do like the idea of, like, the lines coming out of the of yeah. Olivia's head, um, even though I wasn't so... I, and, again, I think it's context. I think this episode needs the next episode to put things back into context, where if you watch this solely without thinking about everything else around it you know mm. it doesn't quite work so so i'd give it kudos for that that you know you do need to see this in context really and then it makes a bit more sense but it's still a stretch yeah it is it is a bit of it um i do like some of the callbacks we get though we get a reference back to debbie robert jones and the uh light games that yeah got olivia playing yeah that, that, that was a really good callback i really enjoyed that um and then we get the typewriter used again, which was used as a communication device with, with, with the shapeshifters. So it's a great way of incorporating those things and then trying to get Olivia to believe that she has these abilities again. And one of my favourite scenes in, in the episode, actually, is this lovely conversation between Walter and Olivia. Yeah. Um, where Walter is basically saying that he's, he's, he's not the man he was. He's got parts of his brains missing, but he's he's come to... He's come to accept that, and it's a struggle that he's had all season because he's felt he, he's felt inferior to Walternut because he thinks Walternut's got all, all, all of his brains, and you know he's he's not 
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A bit, you know, Mm. slightly mad and he's he's seen that as a negative thing and now he's come to see it as though as as is is what makes him unique what makes him special yeah and i love it when he says i i i wish that you could see yourself the way i see you, you you're extraordinary it's just a it's a really affecting lovely scene it, yeah it is and um i think it's probably the the best part of the episode my my question yeah. would be slightly later on that <laughs> I, I, I'm in a bit of two minds about this, that she struggles so much with this one. And it's all about belief. And it's all about the moments yeah. and stuff like that. And I get the reason why they did it, but it seems that Olivia was unaware that she was doing the typewriter stuff later on. And that kind mm. of like, for me, it kind of loses a bit of thing with that because it's like, she's trying her best when she's really concentrating, but when she doesn't think about it, it happens. But when it doesn't, when she doesn't think about it, I still think that she should have be, have more of a, more agency with it i think you know yeah it'd be a case of like now i believe or you know just there's there's a moment where she's able to like just switch unable to do it where this felt like oh it's just happening in the background you know somewhere in the depths of her mind it happened i do like the, the mention of cortex as well that she says yeah. you know i want more cortex and you know and and that conversation but yeah i think the heart of the episode is is that those two talking amongst themselves and and talking about that so I think it definitely um, it definitely works from that perspective. What do you think to to Olivia's typewriting skills? Then you know the fact that she can't do it now, but she does it later, and she doesn't really realize it. The, the way I the way I think about it is, um, and it's it's to do with what Sam Weiss has said about Peter and Olivia, and and Peter being with the right Olivia. I think I think it's proximity to Peter yeah. that allows her abilities to to be more free. And to basically break the barriers, you know, she still has these doubtful, fearful barriers that 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 are stopping her from doing it. And I think um, being with Peter, and I think I think his his presence definitely lets her let down the guards, let down the walls, and she's just able to do it without herself even knowing that she's doing it. Yeah, because I know there's you know it's there's. I think one of the main themes of of Fringe, particularly with P- 
Peter and Olivia is love. And there's been a lot of episodes recently, 6B being one of them, um, and Bloodline as well, which really focuses on this. And particularly with Olivia, because she's found it very, very hard in her life to open up to people yeah, and to actually be in love with someone. I think that is a major contributing factor to her uh, her abilities, basically, yeah, working. Yeah, no, I, I, I get, as I say, I got the concept. I just thought would, I would have liked her, for her to have actually been with Peter and actually affect it mm. a bit more than, like, subconsciously. That's, yeah. that's 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 my only thing with it. It felt like you know, six B is the one with the the um, the apartment block, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean that that is a that is a great episode, and that works to mm. that degree definitely. Um, it just felt, and, and obviously the the connection between them, so that that worked really really well. I just think that this for me, it's not bad. I'm not saying it was a bad choice, but I just it. It felt like yes, the the concept is right. the The idea that being near Peter it releases that, but it, I, I don't know whether or not I would have liked to have seen more of the fact that she she was actually doing it in Peter's um, company rather than it just happening in Peter's company. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm a bit I'm a bit mixed on it. Yeah, no, I completely get that. Maybe a a line or something just just to just to. Mm acknowledge the fact that Peter's presence there has made a difference. Yeah, but it is interesting what actually comes out of it, though. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. And yeah. I do like the edit there as well, when he basically says, well, what was the phrase? And then you switch to Astrid in the in the lab and you hear that kind of backwards typewriting sound. I, I really like that switch there. That was really effective. Yeah, it was. Yes, be a better man than your father is a, is, is a phrase that that comes up quite often. Wasn't that the one that she said that she kind of blurts out in, in Greek, isn't she? When she comes back from over there. Yeah. Yeah. Was it on the animated one as well? Yes. I think it, yeah, it, it comes up there and it's also, it's also the way Peter, uh, out for Livia because he uses it as a test to, to right, see yes. if it's really her as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's been used a few times. It has a very connective tissue with those two. Yeah. Okay, so we've not really touched on Peter, really. Um, he gets a bit of solo work to do, so he wakes up from his coma. I always think it's really odd how he wakes up here. He just he just literally gets up and goes, oh, okay. <laughs> he takes all his takes all stuff up. But, he, he, you know, he looks he looks confused. He looks disorientated. He, he doesn't quite know his name at first when the nurse asks him. I like the way the hospital's really oddly quiet at first. It's yeah. really eerie. Yeah. And then when you get kind of deep into the ICU, then you get all the hectic stuff that's going on with the with all the victims of the electric static storms and stuff yeah no i thought it was it was good because it 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 portrays it in you know quite a an ambiguous ambiguous way you know Mm. know, because you're like what's happening here is he does he remember anything does he you know is he just going is he going when he says i'm going home on the on the thing um you know and it's just a case of like things start and this is this is good writing the way it's like little little moments that's building up to getting to where he's going to be um and you know using like sort of going to the pawn shop and all that all that aspect is i think really effective and i think uh joshua jackson does really really well does oh, he's really really well in, in, yeah. in those in these scenes um he's uh he just portrays that as i say that that blankness that kind of like i'm not quite sure where i am in the world uh, you know, style, and I think it it comes across really nicely. It's underplayed, 
um, as well, which I quite like. Mm. Uh, you know, even to the point, you know, when the nurse is like sort of going, are you a patient here? And he's just looking completely blank. And uh, yeah, no, I think I thought it was uh, really effective. Yeah. And that really uh, quite odd scene in the cab where he's confused that he's not in New York because he's obviously thinks he's in New York because he, you know, he has to go to the, the address. I can't remember where it is. Yeah. But when... You know, when the cab driver turns around and goes, mate, you're in Massachusetts, <laughs> you yeah. want to go to New York. He's he's looking a, a bit kind of gone out as though the cab driver's telling him a lie or something. Yeah. Um, and then he's not sure, you know, he acts as though he's not quite sure whether his card's going to work or anything. So these little, you're right, these little underplayed moments, I think, mm. are really effective to kind of ramp up the tension of the scene and not quite know what's going going on or... I mean, you know, is he over there? Is he is he now in a, in a different universe? That's, that's a... I think they play with that a little bit. As well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because you 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 get to the point where you see the Statue of Liberty, and I think that's the moment mm. where it's like, oh right, he is here. Um, yeah. I never I never thought that, but then it is designed in a way you could take it that way as well, and things aren't quite right, and you've got obviously the skies and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, as I, I say, it's it's something that there's not much to talk about, but it really really works. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the only moments that that would that is worth a bit of a note is the fact that his single focus is to find a pawn shop and find this silver walking liberty uh, half dollar, which has been in the series all throughout. It's it's what he uh, he does the coin trick along his hands with. Yeah, it's always been a a, a half dollar, um, and it kind of harks back to in in the episode peter where peter shows his mum the coin toss and then says you know if i die i want you to keep my coin yeah. uh and he you know he 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 uses it as a kind of lucky charm so that was a nice little touch there and then that one that walking liberty coin then maybe triggers the statue of liberty which then triggers the memory of walton working there as you know so it's a nice step by step. He's, it's, it's like his mind doesn't know where he is, but he's using a very practical way of using certain things to bounce off each other. Yeah, which I really like. And I can imagine New York being a place like London that you don't really stop and accost people in the street. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, can you yeah, tell the me guy he is? asks. Yeah, the guy asks for the pawn shop. Looks at him and is like. <laughs> don't talk to me i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a rude person as, no, as, as a as a happy northerner chap going down south is uh is, is we're not used to it we're used to saying hi to everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you get death stares if you say hello to anyone exactly down yeah yeah just got to put your headphones on and put your head down that's all that's all <laughs> i've been taught just do it just yeah. don't don't look at anyone <laughs> <laughs> so we basically get the team back together now walter and olivia meet up with peter uh, upon seeing them, you can clearly see that his memories are kind of coming back quite quickly, and he he he, he realizes that that Walter is not Walter Nut because the cardigans are dead giveaway. Um, that yeah. smile that Peter, yeah, the smile that Peter and Olivia give each other is is just magic. So you know that Pete is kind of he's coming back to normal. His his head's his head's getting there, and and that's when Olivia basically catches Peter up with current events and what she has to do to, in order to get him into the machine. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so, so we're basically ending with with Olivia basically being the crowbar and and opening the machine. I mean, do you think this kind of scene was effective? She kind of stands there and closes her eyes. And I, I do. I, I, and even thinking about it now, 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like what I said before with the typewriter stuff, this is the bit where she's got agency. This is where she actually can mm. physically just go, done it. Um, you know, so may, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on on the earlier scene because I, I didn't really factor that in when I was thinking about it before that, you know, she has come to understand, learn it, know what she's doing. It's that superhero journey. I know we've, uh, I don't know if I've talked about this or, or I've heard it talked about on the podcast before, but, you know, this kind of like proto kind of superhero stuff. Uh, I, I think it was with you because I think we started okay. talking about the boys as well a little bit, right? Yeah, and the um, similar things, the limitations of powers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not quite superhero, but at the same time, it is kind of getting there. Or there's certain tropes that you know, which you know nowadays, you know, just people are allowed to have powers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's fine. <laughs> they can do whatever um, they want. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I recently covered um, going back to X Files, an episode called Rush which was uh, from 1999. Um, and that episode is very, very similar to a film called Chronicle. And Chronicle was a few years later. And Rush was, is kind of a superhero, kind of Smallville story. Um, but it was before that kind of kicked in, in, you know, modern media. I'm not saying it was the first, because it probably would, wasn't the first. Yeah. But for a TV show like X-Files, which was on its decline in the seventh year, to be fair, but, at the same time, it was still, you know, a, a behemoth of a TV show. Um, and Fringe kind of t- has taken that mantle from X-Files. And, you know, we've talked about the beginning of season one. It was very kind of X-Files kind of mm. style and they found their own style now. And and that own style does have this kind of people with um, slightly, you know, with powers and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so I, I did like, I did like, and I like the way that the, the machine kind of shut down, that you, you yeah. hear it kind of going, you kind of thing and uh yeah and i thought i thought it was it was quite a, a good moment for for livia very stoic very kind of like sort of just still calm you know nothing no nothing no um uh not, nothing like sort of waving her hands arms around and stuff like that it was just very kind of considered and in um you know considered and within her and true to her character that she would she wouldn't all of a sudden fly off you know she would just, just stand there and just close her eyes and that's it that's great you know i think that works really well for her character as well yeah just like joshua jackson's performance this is very underplayed you know the powers it's 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 literally her stood there closing her eyes and concentrating i like the quick flash to over there with evil brandon going oh no the machine's crashed and <laughs> kind of freaking out so that was a nice little moment just to confirm that um, what did you think to this bit where there was lots of quick flashes to past episodes, past events very quickly? 
Um, felt very lost. It felt very lost. Yeah, it did, didn't it? It's a trick, you know, and it works. You know, yeah. if, if anything's going to, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine did it at the end of Deep Space Nine, the final episode, you know, it was, you know, it does pull out the heartstrings, you know, because it makes you remember stuff, you know. So um, I, I think I think it works. It's it's very manipulative, but mm. you know that's TV for you. Um, but but I do it, it did it did get a reaction from me. So yes, I think it's uh, it worked. Yeah, yeah, it ramps up the tension nicely. And another thing I think to keep in mind is is also, I think Fringe when it was coming towards the end of their season, they always had that looming fear that this could be the last yeah. season. So I think ramping the tension up to what could possibly be the finale of Fringe is is something that I think was always in the back of their mind. So they always made a season finale feel like a season, uh, a series finale as much as they could. So I think that was definitely a factor. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do like the look that that Walter gives Peter at the end. Um, I think it was mentioned in the previous episode more where Walter knows that September was testing him in Firefly, testing him to basically let go of Peter when he needs to. And and this is the moment where he basically has to potentially sacrifice Peter to save the universe. So it's a it's a real maturity, I think, for Walter's character here that he's yeah. he's, he's he's literally letting go of. of a Peter potentially forever. Yes, I mean, does Walter talk to God in this episode? I think he does, doesn't he? Or, or was that the previous it's episode? It's the previous episode in the right. chapel. Okay, right, okay. I'm getting, see, that's what happens when you watch two or three together. You need to watch one, yeah. one in isolation. <laughs> that's the problem. But uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 a good moment. It's, um, as I say, that God versus science thing, um, you know, it it works. And uh, yeah, it, it definitely has that, has that kind of agency to it because it gives you you know that emotional center for for walter because he's struggling um and as i say the firefly is a perfect uh episode for that and that's that's elements like that are nicely written that you can call back to that episode um which was purposely done for that reason to like to get to this moment so yeah i thought i thought that worked really well yeah and then we end with peter merging with the machine and he wakes up in 2026 we find it in the next episode in what looks like a war-torn future uh he's he's wounded and a militarized friend soldier comes to his aid um and we kind of see the plaque to the september 11th victims we know we're in the prime universe but we are in a hellish future so we're left kind of thinking what the hell is going on yeah and that is probably my biggest memory of fringe Hmm. you know thinking back to it that that moment that well well maybe not maybe the, maybe the end of season one I, I think the twin towers thing yeah. originally was the biggest thing it was like oh my That'll god always stay with you yeah um but this this isn't that far behind um I, i'm not on next episode so i just want to just like briefly talk about this because it's it is part of this episode in, in a, such a way that um they talk about consciousness and they talk about you know trying to find a way to to bring uh, Peter's consciousness forward, and that reeks for me of um, not reeks. That's a, that's a bad word. It doesn't mean because I mean it. I mean it's in a good way um, of Lost and Desmond. You know the, the the fact of being able to move around in time with your consciousness. Uh, it had that vibe. Um, you know, so it's it's a it's an interesting story. It's kind of like, uh, and I like what comes next. I think next next week's is brilliant. Um, 
but yeah, the the concept of having this like sort of moving consciousness and you know the machine doing that was uh, was really good. I thought that was that was really good. But this was, as you say, a moment where like he's got a different hairstyle. What's, what the hell's going on here? Mm. Uh, and to leave that as a season ender and not be able to see see the episode for maybe what a year, eighteen months is uh, is is a great way to go out. Yeah, definitely. And I know that next episode as well. We, I think we get the last. Well, not ne- not eighteen months, is it? Because obviously, it's the next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's a lie. That's a total lie. <laughs> I wait, a whole um, seven days. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but next week as well. Next episode as well. I think we get the last, the last kind of television appearance of Ella, but in adult form because it's now in the future. So right. she's quite she's quite integral to the to the whole thing of of Peter getting back and stuff. And, and I think she's also quite integral to uh, Walter sending back the pieces of the, of, of the machine to basically start the prophecy. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Next week's episode is, is great. And um, I'll have Brooker and Chris Hay to, to talk about that. Oh, so I'm looking any forward final... to that. You, you three are a great triumphant. It's great. Oh dear. It's, it's, it, it's a great, it's a great one to record. It's good fun. It's a hell to edit. I can imagine. I can imagine. I've been there. <laughs> um, any final thoughts then, uh, Kurt, on the last of Samwise? Uh, I don't think so. I think, uh, again, covered everything. I think it's a great episode um, with one big uh, contentious uh, element being the title of the episode, <laughs> um, which is just like, it's just, you know, it, it, it's horrible. Um I'd have liked to have seen more Samwise in uh, in retrospect of a better story for him other than him just being fifth generation and it's been passed down through the ages. It would have been nice to maybe see that happening because, you know, Chinese whispers as well, you know, things could get mm. changed in the story. Uh, would have nice to have seen it. There's too much telling and not showing uh, for that. But the character moments, yeah, although they're not, absolutely outstanding in this episode there's a lot more episodes that cover the the emotional beats a lot better i do think it's a strong college saw um college saw um you can tell i'm tired now um solid core is what i'm trying to say um of you know the likes of astrid and, and walter and walter and peter and peter and olivia so the um yeah i think it's 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 a, a good episode it's it is a um, a two of a three uh, I think it probably suffers a little bit with that. It has to it has to get through the motions uh, to free up time, especially with the next episode being so different. You know, if it'd mm. been a continuation and it might have been a bit different, it was ramping up to him getting into the machine and what happens after he gets into the machine and it's all in the same timeline, then that would have been different. But it has to get to that point. And, uh, you know, and obviously we'll we'll come back. 30 minutes later in the next episode to the to this timeline so yeah so it's um overall i think really solid it was good to go back to it i've watched fringe for a little bit because we haven't recorded for for a while uh, and i watched season three at the beginning of the year so i've not really seen it for a couple of months um but yeah absolutely it's it's, uh, and i'm looking forward to season four basically that's that's what Mm. i'll say um i'm going to watch episode one of season four tonight i think so uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I might do that tonight or tomorrow afternoon, maybe. But um, but yeah, looking forward to to seeing how we get on with season four. And I've got a feeling, a funny feeling, that season four might be my favourite season. But I haven't watched it for ages, and I can't remember stuff. So 
fingers crossed, I think season four might be my favourite. Season three, it's not a disappointment. It's a very, very strong season for me. I've just got this feeling I like season four better at the time. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I've been banging on this podcast about how much I love season three and how it's my favourite. And I don't know, I've got to ink, because I don't remember a lot of season four. It's been a long while since I've watched it. So I may change my tune <laughs> like you. I may change my tune when I when I go, oh my God, this is the best season ever. Um, but who knows? But who knows? I just, it, there are just, there are just, events and episodes and moments in season three that i remember more than any of the other seasons yeah um so that's probably why it's just stuck in my head more so but it, i'm really looking forward to going to, into season four so that'll be that'll be great um so of course uh just to ask you what your favorite moment scene or walterism of the episode was uh the moment's got to be olivia and walter at the table with the yeah. cortex of fun stuff um yeah, without a doubt. I think the 82 thing was good as well. I'd, I'd give that a second. Love that. So, yeah, I think I think those are the, the two moments of the of the show for me on this one. I'm going to agree complete with you. I thought okay. the, yeah, I thought the Walter and Olivia scene was the best emotional beat of the episode and the um, the patron of 82 moment was the funniest moment. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, thank you, Kurt, for joining me for today. This is your last season three episode it's been great to have you on again mate yeah it's been great to be on and hopefully you'll ask me back again and we'll we shall oh, do sure. this we shall do this again and uh as i say it might be a bit of a lottery pick but i will i will race through season four as quickly as possible and try and get a good one but yeah. uh, but i'm happy to come on on, on whatever 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 episode you want me on i will be there uh we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have you on for a couple it's going to be interesting when i get to season five and there's only 13 episodes i'm still working out how i'm going to do the guests <laughs> on that right. so but we'll, we'll we'll get there when the time comes yeah um but for now, would you like to tell the lovely listeners where they can find you on the internet and any of your many podcasts you'd like to plug? Well, if you haven't already realised, I'm on the Xcast, which is an X-Files podcast. I might have mentioned that three or four times in this episode. Um, I also managed to mention WandaVision, which I always try and do now. I've got a fascination <laughs> with Elizabeth Olsen at the moment. So I managed to sneak oh, that dear. in as well. So I'm doing all right. So um, that's at Podcast 616. We're about to cover What If, as that's about to air. Um, there's a show, Luke, called Star Trek Lower Decks that I've been oh, on. Oh, yeah. Lower yeah. Decks is coming out this week at time of recording. It is indeed. So I don't know if I'm popping up on that. I might be. I think I am. I so, think you're down for an episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, you can find that on the uh, Make It So, a Star Trek Picard podcast Twitter handle, which is at Jean-Luc Podard. Uh, and Luke, you uh, you tend to do a lot of work on that, but I'll be popping up on there. Uh, my other mainstay is the Red Dwarf podcast, and that's Shipwrecked and Comatose. Uh, we are currently covering season five, or series five, and we're going into quite a few specials. Series six will be later in the year, if not next year. But uh, we've got a lot of interesting things planned out for the specials for that, and you can find that at Red Dwarf Pod. Um, it's coming to the end of The Time Is Now, which is a Millennium podcast. If you like your shows that are dark, deep and dark, um, with Lance Henriksen, uh, it's twenty. It'll be twenty-five years this October that um, that Millennium first aired. It was nineteen ninety-six. So you can find that podcast at the time is now. We're not doing too much at the moment, but we're looking at doing some specials around the twenty-fifth anniversary. So there'll be some specials coming out in October um, for that, and we might have some interesting uh, news to share. Um, in, in which I won't go into too much detail right now, 
But uh, come October, November time, I might have some some interesting news to share on that front as well. So yeah, that's the, probably the best place to find me. And if you want to find me personally, where I'm doing, um, you know, where you can find most of my stuff, where I retweet and stuff, or sharing out where I'm at, that's at R Muldrake. That's R M U L D R A K E. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm trying my best to do that. I'm not succeeding very much at the moment. But again, that's the same place. R Muldrake. R M U L D R A K E. Fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to the 25th anniversary episodes. That'll be great. Yep. Big, big fan of Millennium. Good. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Winch. Uh, I am generally there probably promoting podcasts on the We Made This network most of the time and sharing lots of science stuff, IPCC reports mainly at the minute. <laughs> um, yeah. Podcast-wise, as, as Kurt mentioned, Lower Decks is... Start again. Lower Decks season two is is starting at the time recording this week. So our podcast Rarely Going, where I co-host with Craig McKenzie, will be starting up again. Really looking forward to this. Uh, season one was great fun. So I'm expecting big things from season two. So you can find us there, uh, as Kurt mentioned on that Twitter handle, Jean-Luc Poddard. Um, I'm not going to be on What If... The podcast six one six, but I'm thoroughly looking forward to listening to that. But I have been on past episodes talking uh, Wonder Vision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, um, and Loki as well. So, if you want to listen to any past episodes, you can do so. That is all I'm doing at the minute. Thanks for joining us for another episode. And remember, we are part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Please subscribe to Observing the Pattern, and if you could just spare two minutes of your time, just to either give us a rating. There's some little empty stars that you can kind of fill with gold. If you can do five, that'd be amazing. Um, and if, if you've got a little extra time, just give it a short review. It, it really helps get the podcast out there and, and bring new listeners in. If you want to help our network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash we made this. Of course, Fringe is not all we're discussing on the network. and We'll give you a taste of what else you may have missed on the network in a minute. Until then, take care and we shall see you next time over here and over there. Observing the Pattern was created by Andrew Brooker and Tony Black and is produced by Tony Black and Luke Winch for the We Made This Podcast Network. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review to help more people find the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the OTP Podcast and on Facebook by typing in Observing the Pattern. You can also find We Made This on Facebook and on Twitter at We Made This Pod, where you can find shows on film, TV, music, and broader popular culture. Also, check out our website, WeMadeThisPod.com. Thanks again for listening. Elsewhere on We Made This. Chucky Vision. I've been on some Chucky forums, and there is a lot of hate about Chucky being woke, having a homosexual agenda, how it's ruined the franchise by making it too gay. And I'm like, really? How can you possibly suggest that it's ruined the franchise by being too gay when Seed of Chucky is a thing? And even if people, like, I know some people, like, I mean, Seed of Chucky is quite a debatable film, but, like, even Bride is very camp. People should have known the sensibilities of this franchise ages ago.
free with this month's issue. The editor, Mark Sutherland, who's a c***. A notorious man. Yeah, he's the man that ran the magazine into the ground. He opens the issue with a really f***ing cringy editor's letter. Oh yeah, he does. Which says, For the first eight months of the year, the alternative nation was depressed. UK garage and pop shite was ruling the charts, and our music was being pushed off the airwaves and common room stereos across the land. Oh, Jesus. Now, I looked into the alternative music scene of the first eight months of 2000. Already released that year, there had been Primal Screams Exterminate, Blood Flowers by The Cure, Suicide Pack You First by Therapy. Movieversaries. The highest grossing film in the case of Avatar. I don't think anybody ever considers it popular, but everybody saw it, which is really weird. It's this strange case of this film that made so much money, pushed special effects forward so much, and it isn't based on any intellectual property. Not any, not directly anyway, but it has zero cultural footprint. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, apart from the whole visual thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's it's in, it's impossibly mediocre. It is so middle of the road. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's not even bad enough to be spoken about. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.